Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am his sidekick for this moment in time. So as I make my way into the studio, we're still making our way over to the studio. I would like everybody to um, take a moment and check out the Urban Tech Fair. This is the official radio broadcast of the Urban Tech Fair. You can visit us online at www.urbantechfair.org. That's urbantechfair.org. Take a moment and visit us as we get into the studio. If you'd like to call in, the call-in number is 646-716-7994. And please do call in. Any callers that are there, if you would like to speak, press 1. Otherwise, you can just listen in. The chat room will be open in a couple of minutes as soon as we get inside the studio. So today um, we have our special guest is Marquis Johnson, and he is an interactive media specialist. And if you um, see our logo for the Digital Drummer, it looks like a magazine. You see Jim Newsom's on the front. That was designed by Marquis Johnson. He is designing our digital commemorative book for the Urban Tech Fair. We will be publishing one per season. And Marquis' company, um, eLife Marketing, is designing that book for us. So as we wait for Marquis to call in, we're going to hear from the one and only Mr. Jim Newsom. Uh, good Hi, evening, Jim. Jackie. I'm assuming that you're in the studio now. Yes, I made it to the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The magic of technology. I'm really excited to uh, about tonight's show and uh, talking with Marquis. That brother's pretty sharp. He's got a couple of different uh, companies going on, and he's got his his hands in a a couple of different markets. So it's going to be great uh, learning about the entrepreneurship and what drives him as an entrepreneur and some of the challenges that he's had where he sees the uh, the tech going, the tech field going. Uh, it's really been an exciting week online with the Urban Tech Fair. As you've noticed, we've got a lot of posts. And um, I was wondering, Jackie, do you know who that brother is from uh, Africa, always posts in French? How are we supposed to read French? Well, I guess we have to. What you do, you cut and paste the post, 
and you do, you go to Google, translate, and cut and paste the post, and it'll take you to a translation. That's what I do. <laughs> well, it, it, it amazes me. We have such a strong group in our Facebook discussion group, people okay. from uh, Japan, from Russia, uh, from all over the world are talking about access, education, and commerce. And I think that, you know, the, the movement, the understanding that we as a nation have got to do something and take our uh, own future in our own hands is becoming uh, pretty pertinent around the country, almost like a wave. Everybody's talking about innovation and uh, uh, startups. I don't, know if, I don't know if you heard from uh, uh, Bill Clinton uh, today I was going to look up posts for uh, this week, but he was talking about how uh, the uh, banking and financial markets have now got to restructure themselves from the uh, uh, old uh, uh, lending mode of collateral to a new model of uh, uh, innovation and sweat equity. Yeah, well, there are a couple different things. Um, they're also talking about that the tech world, you know, has created another bubble and, you know, questioning the value of the stocks and all, where they don't feel it's going to necessarily be a crash, but there's another bubble again. So um, I know a few different things going on, but, you know, they have been so not above board (laughs) with the banking industry and all. That is just, you know... Did yeah, you I see really the uh, post I put up today <laughs> where uh, talking about the difference in nanoseconds have made in the uh, in the stock market? Uh, you know, I'm always talking about net neutrality and the Internet creating a level playing field. And mm-hmm. uh, already the uh, the banks and the uh, uh, the high financiers, or as the article states, the haves, have begun to take advantage of the system now as they're beginning to pay for different uh, uh, a la carte speeds where, you know, uh, as he states in the, uh, in the article that the, uh, the haves uh, 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 bought uh, nanoseconds and the have-nots didn't see a value in it, and now the uh, haves were able to see the market, uh, New York stock market in real time, while the have-nots couldn't see the market at all because by the time they seen it, they have it already placed their bets. So, you know, speed does create an advantage, and that's why we've got to have the same uh, uh, access to uh, the Internet for a small company as they do for a Yahoo or a Google so that, you know, the mom-and-paw entrepreneur can compete in a real world on the level playing field. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, there's you know, you know, there's so much with technology and, and technology is actually here. I know sometimes we say, oh, this new technology, but I mean, technology's been here. Life is constantly changing and growing, and you know, there's like the tech technology, but there's technology in even how science works. You know, how plants photosynthesize. That's a whole technology. Um, you know, if we, you know, look at things, you know, a little differently and, um, you know, we keep an open mind and understand that things change and always understanding there's a human behind it, we can probably get a better grip and, and uh, you know, understand that we have to drive the technology and not allow the technology to drive us. True as a community. Yeah. So, um, Didn't we have a uh, a great conference call this week with uh, David Muhammad out of the Bay Area and Cairo out of uh, uh, Atlanta? Uh, you know, we had some great dialogue and good conversation that happened this weekend. Uh, you know, we do the national conference calls every other uh, a week. When's the next one coming up, Jackie? Well, honestly, the next one would be this Saturday. That was a special one because we generally don't have one before our show, but we're going to have another national one next week to get, you know, more people in. Um, but, yeah, it was a great call. It, you know, it took a whole different turn, 
but um, it was really good because we were eight. We were able to connect. Um, we were able to connect um, David and James, and you know that's just one of the good things about the internet and connecting and meetups. Because James just moved to Northern California, David's already out there. He was able to help give him, you know, the feel for how things function in that area which, you know, really helps his learning curve. And they were able to connect to help build the Urban Tech Fair there. But what was interesting and what Jim really wanted to continue the conversation on, um, you know, you know, what do we really need um, as a people, as African-American, you know, what is really the focus? Is, you know, like we do understand that prejudice exists and, you know, we always have, there's always barrier to access um, automatically for us, but beyond that, um, how do we still get productive? And you know, how do we still be productive? And um, for those who, because that was a you know interesting point that Cairo had brought up, how when a, a public representative didn't want to focus on STEM, she wanted to focus on abstinence. And we know that's just another code word for there's a lobbyist in my pocket. And that lobbyist in the pocket is, you know, the person that is really, um, that's what's driving that because there is not even a comparison to STEM and abstinence. One doesn't impact the the other. And, you know, there are two different areas and it definitely could be. If we're going to... survive as a nation in a in a global economy, if we're going to survive and maintain our identity as a unique uh, community as as part of this nation, then we have definitely uh, have got to change our ways and move out of those old uh, political paradigms and and uh, uh, you pat you pat me on the back, I'll pat you and start to move on things that are uh, productive and job and business uh, creation in terms of finding new yeah, sources yeah. of revenue in our own neighborhood. Yeah, you know, honestly, of money. it may sound a little There's strange, a lot of but our political our advocates need to start considering <laughs> who they're advocating for and what is works best for their community. And anybody that wants to come to the table with things that empower their community need to, you know, need to do that. And so, and, um, and that, that's so true, Jackie. What you're saying in terms of our political representative knowing who they're advocating for—that's uh, one of the reasons why I've always uh, supported uh, 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 different people in our urban tech fair community. The, uh, I can't think of her name out of Philadelphia that was doing that uh, voter registration program. She created a mobile oh, app. Faye. 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 Faye Anderson. Faye, yes, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's important that we motivate our community not only to take advantage of uh, technology from a, a business or an entertainment perspective, but also from an activist perspective to get yeah. more of them involved. Yeah, and, we have to demand. It doesn't really, ma- yeah, it doesn't really matter your political affiliation. The point is, whoever it is, whatever the affiliation, the question is, are you advocating on the behalf of our community? What is your agenda to help empower our community? And you need to ask that question, you know, because of Dr. Claude Anderson, this group called, um, well, they just brought themselves together. They were calling themselves the Rainmakers. And um, young, you know, young people with money, but they started holding every time there's a um, an election, they hold a forum and they ask all the political parties across, I mean, you know, all the people that are running, no matter their political party, they hold a forum to ask what are you going to do on the behalf of the African-American community. And they hold them all accountable. Because, you know, that's the only question. That's the agenda. This is our community. These are our needs. What are you going to do to help our community? And, you know, and um, that's what we need to, you know, start doing. And also people that are in office, see if they're actually advocating. You know, I'm, you know I'm, I really have to say I'm blessed to know a few of them that really do work for the community and they make a difference. You know, they're out there. But those people, we need to make sure that we're supporting them so 
because I think they just had Speak, elections. Speaking and of uh, just was elections in D.C. were some good yeah, people speaking of, uh, win. Uh, of, of candidates that are, are supporting and and promoting technology. I heard you had a great meeting with your uh, uh, state assemblyman. Oh, state rep. Yeah, state representative Curtis yeah. Thomas. Yeah. First, Excellent right. meeting. Excellent meeting. And right now, um, hopefully, um, well, I'll, I don't know if I get a chance to reach out this evening because it's pretty late, but I know tomorrow I'll speak with Eileen Gadsden, and we're just waiting. Um, we're, um, we've drafted a letter, and just with the confirmation of the Philly BDPA, and they will act as our fiscal agent locally the Philadelphia BDPA, and um, he wanted a letter, you know, on their letterhead and along with ours, and it's drafted, and we are full steam ahead. So we are looking at special focuses for Philadelphia. Well, one, the state of Pennsylvania already focuses on um, biotechnology and energy, and so those are two focuses of our state. And then um, he's for the community, really wants to do a focus on paraprofessional careers. So we're going to look at how we can leverage technology, you know, to identify all the paraprofessional opportunities that are out there, which ones are, you know, more prevalent, which fields are growing. And um, because, you know, the paraprofessional is a way to earn a better income with um, less time and money invested in um, education beyond high school. You you know, you can do a certification a lot of times in um, a year or less, generally between, you know, eight months and a year. You can, you know, a lot of these different things you can get a certification in. Well, it generally allows you to start anywhere between thirty and $50,000 earning, and now you have a means to live and then uh, be able to afford to, you know, continue on to your bachelor's and beyond. You've so, seen the yeah. uh, the uh, post I put up there about uh, uh, learning the code in 12 weeks, becoming the uh, next Mark uh, Zuckerberg in 12 weeks. Yes, they yes, They have yes. a lot of courses out there. And, you know, as I tell people, starting salary for uh, a code or a web designer is fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year. So you know your 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 state uh, rep is right on point in terms of pay yeah, professionals. He's, yeah, he's also and, talk, and a lot of things in the hospital. You know, like in imaging and radiology, and um, there's a lot of things in the medical field. Well, even, yeah, you even know. beyond uh, uh, traditional uh, uh, medical fields. Uh, they are saying now that because of Obamacare and his whole initiative to digitize medical records and to create yeah. that uh, network in and of itself is generating new jobs and, and new uh, mm-hmm. uh, skill sets and certifications. Yeah, yes, and see, there's a, you know just just a lot of you know you know different things with the paraprofessionals, and I know with um, with technology. And I think especially those things like radiology and all, because there, you know, there's a lot of new, you know, those medical technologies that are up and coming. So um, to be able to be trained and know how those equipment, you know, the equipment and all works. And um, like when we were on a call, not this call, but last week's call with with your friend, and um, where he spoke about the next wave about actually repairing. Um, You're talking about uh, Paul Johnson out of Los Angeles. Yes. Uh huh. Now he was talking about repairing what? Uh, uh, Computers and hardware. Uh, His uh, focus with the youth here in LA has been on robotics and talking about you know being able. Yeah. To repair the the gadgets and different things that yeah, and and the cars and and um. Right, because machine, machine uh, uh, communications, M2M communications yeah. is the next big wave as everything becomes connected. Uh, the car and the phone are almost about 50% connected right now with the new cars in terms of being able to step into it 
and Bluetooth automatically connects you to GPS and your Surrey keeps your account book and so forth in the terms of that connection. But that same type of advancement that's taking place in the automotive industry has now got to take place in the home industry. And you're starting to see commercials and more advertisers talking about the connected homes and being able to lock your doors, put your well, cell phone, turn lights yeah, see, and everything, all appliances on and off. provide that. See, all the security mm-hmm. companies provide that now. But it's the wide-open field for, for independence, those type mm-hmm. of sensors and connectors. And then, like, that, see, that's you know, another place for the pair of professional he was speaking about was is the repair of the equipment and the machines. And so, mm-hmm. you know, these even are definitely avenues. Hmm? Well, a lot of insulation of and stuff equipment. is being done now with, you know, because, like I said, the security companies are – you know, a lot of these things are coming through the security companies, and it's, so it's a new surgeons now in security. Um, and, you know, with businesses and all, it's not just, okay, we can provide security, but then we can also make sure you can monitor your thing and do all of this and that, whether you're at your business or away. And so they've been really excelling in that. And um, for those installations, um, again, um those opportunities. Well, here, here on the uh, West Coast, even uh, Time Warner and AT&T have got into uh, uh, the security game in terms of uh, smart homes mm-hmm. and being able to yeah. uh, monitor your home through your uh, cable system. Yeah. And, and I, so, I mean, I really do think that repair part, the repair of the hardware is extremely important because, um, you know, in the refurbishing, this is the whole thing we're just looking at. Um, I was looking at your post or Norm's post about persons paying seven hundred dollars for a phone and having no clue as how to work it. <laughs> and talk about how people they just upgrade and get the newest thing and they go pay all of this money. And what they do is they refurbish and resell all of those phones. And that mm-hmm. is one of the biggest businesses refurbishing and reselling telephones. That is a huge business because all you do is get it working right, and it all runs by a chip. So as long as you can get the hardware, if the hardware isn't damaged to a point, refurbishing and recycling is a huge business. So, yes, you know, yes. I really think the paraprofessional career aspect is a good um, a good way to go, and it's, it is a good way to get, our, you know, Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's, it's almost uh, it's almost 7.30. Has uh, Marquise called in yet? No, he hasn't. I see a number here for him, so I, was, so I want to take a moment to see if we could call him. So, what about um, the uh, chat room? Do we have anybody in the chat room? Not yet. Nope. No one's in the chat room as of yet. Okay, so I am going to... Write this number down for Marquise and see what's going on with him. If we can give him a direct call. And let's see what happens. This is what we do from the studio. We type in a number, again, technology. And then I just click dial. And we're going to listen to the call being placed. Tech Fair is all about. 
Well, the Urban Tech Fair is a national movement, and, well, honestly, it's a global movement. And what we are doing, we're beginning in the United States, and we're going city to city with a 30-day tour, a cloud and, we call it cloud and ground event, 30-day cloud and ground event, and it takes place in various cities across the U.S. And our goal is to showcase what is possible through technology and collaboration via access, education, and commerce. Those are our three cornerstones. So we do this 30-day event to just showcase to you what is possible through technology and collaboration. And it begins with just the forming of the Urban Tech Fair because we are Using technology, we are collaborating. We have so many phenomenal people aboard. And so if you want to get involved, you know, our goal is to create sustainable access to underserved communities and for us to, as urban communities, to come 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 out of our tent corners. Sometimes technology keeps us glued to screens, glued to games, but we want everybody to come out and notice each other, notice what resources, what talent, innovation, and resources exist right in your own backyard. And when you put talent, resources, and innovation together, you get what, Jim? <laughs> You get success. You get, you get an empowered you community. You get Silicon Valley right in your own backyard, right? <laughs> well, that's being considered the uh, the principles of Silicon Valley. What's made it uh, so successful is collaboration and uh, resources. And we believe that those resources and those collaborative skills exist all around us. And as you said, that's what the Urban Tech Fair is about, showcasing the uh, uh, resources, organizations, and groups that exist in our community today that are totally overlooked and underfunded. We are doing such great work in the neighborhood. I posted a group today about uh, Latinas in tech. Every day I'm, I'm discovering new grassroots organizations about, based on volunteers, people willing to get out in the community and share their knowledge with young folks and with others to prepare us all with the skills of the uh, 21st century as we move into the uh, the new millennium, and uh, the Urban Tech Fair says that believes that everything you need to succeed in the dot-com world exists around you. It's just a matter of looking around and taking our heads out of these silos and beginning to collaborate with others and network with others and share the knowledge, share the skills, and begin to innovate and create a whole new source of revenue for our communities, new goods and services, uh, new jobs, new businesses, and on our street, not Main Street. So that's what the Urban Tech Fair is about, promoting and supporting the community and building a better uh, uh, job and uh, revenue base, not only from the perspective of a consumer, but a, a producer, uh, whether you're talking about uh, developing games or funding games. I often say, uh, why flip a house when you can flip a startup? Uh, we can easily, there is money in our community, and we could easily put uh, uh, five or $10,000 into a new company like we do into a new house, and in six months to a year, flip it and get 100000 200000 back out. So it's all about developing that talent that's already there, the ideas, the concepts, uh, the people who are already working and, and, and striving to succeed and explore in this uh, new mobile connected world that we all live in. Yeah. So, um, oh, boy, just just stating that I just wanted to follow up with. Um, well, I want to give a shout-out to some great people. Enid Doggett, she has Inspire, that's N-S-P-R, um, she has Inspire Media Company, and she is really doing a phenomenal job. She is getting these D.C. people together. She just asked me 
um, right before the show started. Um, did you get my email from Guy? I figured he might help the project get Knight Foundation grant. She is getting some really great people. She has gotten the zone great on NPR. She has interviews set up for us. She's waiting for a couple, I mean, national you know, national formats for you and I on a couple big shows to be interviewed, Jim. Um, she is getting key people in place to form this D.C. committee. She even has a woman, um, Jerry, that's helping out on the um, committee, and she just retired as the tech editor for USA Today. And mm-hmm. Enid calls me at least two to three times a week to keep up. That You know, she is really on the money. And um, Sandra King is connecting with her. And then we have, um, like we said, David and Eileen. And um, we even talked about, yeah, David, he's really going to put together, use all his contacts, and he's just going to do a virtual event to pull all his key people in, which he has a few of them, to see who's committed and ready to go to establish his organizing committee. And, um, you know, Cairo's consistently working, working to get together for Atlanta. So we really have some great people doing great work. And um, Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm amazed at the people in the discussions and the posts that come across our different uh, social media platforms. Yeah, and that's just supposed to, you know, but the people that are actually doing the work that are making urban tech fairs actually happen and come to life and bringing really key people within the community and from all facets of the community, they're bringing key people together. And the one commonality that everyone has is they are passionate and advocates for the community. And they're all volunteers. Everybody is donating their own time, energy, and resources because of love of the community. Uh, this is, yes. is, even though, as I tell people, uh, the Urban Tech Fair is not another charity feel-good event. It's an exercise in social entrepreneurship, uh, making money by doing community good. So even though none of us are being paid uh, a salary or looking to directly benefit out of the uh, uh, proceeds from the Urban Tech Fair. We believe that we will benefit as individuals through our volunteerism, our, our networking, uh, through being able to share our business with like-minded people, developing new clients, and generating more name recognition and prestige in our community as leaders of our community. That's what the Urban Tech Fair yeah. is about, bringing leaders together to quit talking about it and be about it to begin to move the ball forward so that, you know, all uh, facets of our community, whether they be the elderly or the children, are included in this new technical revolution that's going on all around us. Yeah. And the Urban Tech Fair is strategically designed to support that because we do understand that we are all um, entrepreneurs and, you know, it takes money to make things work. So we're not, you know, we understand that. And um, that's our goal, to keep our community going. So we're looking to generate revenue. But we do know if you bring quality people together and people see problem solvers, people will engage them and connect with them. And then we have, you know, all type of people, you know, letting us know about different opportunities. Just, you know, by the time you're just attending a meeting or two, you find out about so many different opportunities on different levels. And we're um, right now working on putting together our resource directory, which will also include a business directory, so we know we can refer one another. That's why I definitely wanted to give Enid a shout-out. So for any of those people that need PR for your business or your well, generally, even if it, if it's your business, generally you need PR for yourself. You know, you know, and, you you're know the one that, behind, that the, so, you're behind the brain. So true, Jackie. What you're saying about for business, because so often in working with startups and, and and new businesses and clients that I come across, you know, they have all this money and, and structure and everything around their their uh, product or their 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 idea, 
but they always seem to forget to set aside our budget money for marketing and promotion. And you can't give away gold if nobody knows about it. You need people like Emory professionals out there to help guide you, direct you, and identify the best way to get the return on your investment. Yes, you know, PR is extremely important, and a lot of people undervalue it, and they think, um, and there, I mean, definitely social media makes it more leverageable and affordable, And but you still, everyone in any kind of business needs to invest their budget into some PR work. Um, if nothing else, for at least one quarter a year, if you're not doing something regular on 90 days. But if you have a professional work with you at least for one quarter, and then you leverage it, but each year you need to come back because, you know, you drive the brand. It's your passion that literally drives the brand until your brand gets to that point. But, you know, knowing where to be placed, where to be seen, where to get the right recognition so that when you do go talk about your company and all, it's not unknown. You know, it's so extremely important that um, we're generally, I guess you could call three degrees of separation from trusting in a name or a brand. It generally takes us three to uh, maybe put this three degrees separation generally before we start listening. We may hear it one place, then you hear it another time. By the third time you hear it, you feel that you somewhat I know about this. It's no longer familiar. It's somewhat familiar, and you're much more open to listening to that message, however it comes, whether it comes verbally and. Uh, in an ad, on a radio, on um, TV, Internet, um, video, however it comes. But if you've heard it, this is your third time, you're just so much more open to listening to it. And if people just liken this process unto you came out your house, you, you walked down your driveway or to your car or, you know, you're walking out and before you, right before you get to your car, Somebody stops you, hey, how you doing? Somebody you've never seen before, and they want to tell you about their new business. You've never seen them before. You don't know who, you don't know them from a can of paint. You don't know if they should be there. If they, you don't know nothing about them. And they may seem real nice and all. You're like, okay. They may hand you something. Like, you're like, okay, all right. Now, if they're real, real good, you may take a double look. But at first, you're going to be like, okay, mm-hmm, I hear you. And you're going to take that. You're probably just going to put it down. Now remember where you put it. Some people may throw it away or whatnot. And then you're going to go on about your business, whether you're going to continue to walk on, drive on, whatever. Then, you know, something, they may be out and see another one of those, your same flyer, something that you handed them. And they're like, oh, I saw that before. Well, the third time they may see an ad somewhere or may see PR. You know, where you're doing some PR work helping out you in an article, someone's interviewing you on a radio, you, a blog post you're being reviewed in, and they see it at this third time. They're like, you know, I know that person. Oh, yeah, that's that person. That's right. They stopped by. Yeah, I know them. They don't know you any better than the first time when you walked up <laughs> to them. But the procession is, because it just seems more familiar. So if we just, you know, take that as an example, you know, a lot of times when you think about your market, you know, think uh, and you think about people, how they react, sometimes you, you know, put yourself in their shoes. If you were to approach you the way you're approaching, how would you respond? And just what's so great about technology now, you can really leverage. So before we're... um, you might hire a PR person for a quarter and say, you know, you may, you know, generally this average is about $500 a month. Um, if that was five, ten years ago, that work that you get done in that, that $1,500, they would get some work and all done, but it would just be such a harder grind that now that they they can do the work, the interviews and things, but everything can be leveraged. So if you do get an article written, even if it's in the paper, you can blast it all across social media 50 million times. So 
all of those third-party verification, those extra things, you give extra exposure. And then when you're giving exposure to these venues and, and people are responding, then they're more apt when you go back to them again, they're more apt to do business because you bring traffic to their media source, whatever way it is, and you begin to build contacts. You know, you always want to bring build journalism contacts. But that's a great thing about technology and social media. You can leverage, you know, compared to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you can so you can so well leverage any kind of coverage you get. Um, gentlemen, at, you know, I, I was doing something for Images of the Motherland, doing a blast for them. Well, he was interviewed on a radio on a clear, a major clear channel, yeah, clear, clear channel, channel here in Philadelphia. <laughs> and um, it was just a, a short interview, but I was able to attach that interview there to the flyer in the email blast. So, you know, normally on terrestrial radio, you have to catch the interview while you can. So now it's being recorded. Then I can put it in a blast, and everybody can sit down and listen to him being, you know, interviewed by this big, you know, named person on Clear Channel. So you really get the opportunity to leverage PR. And so that's why I just say it's really worth investing because what you may spend $1,500 in PR um, now you can get, you can easily convert that into almost ten thousand dollar value. So um, that yes, is technology is, 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 has revamped a lot of things, and it's only getting better. I don't know if you caught the uh, FCC uh, report uh, this week, where they're moving closer to five uh, G, and they've opened up the uh, uh, bandwidth now for Wi Fi unlicensed use so that, uh, again, anybody can broadcast a radio station on a Wi-Fi uh, frequency now without having to get a FCC license and approval prior to it, uh, vice, vice versa. It can be video network or it can be a text or it can be a social media network. It's really kind of opening up the doors in terms of allowing the uh, what they used to call the uh, micro-broadcaster are the uh, small broadcasters independent to get uh, uh, easier and uh, more dynamic outreach in the community? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we just need to take advantage. You know, you do have to invest in your marketing and your PR, but what's so great about it now, um, it's just so much more affordable for um and smarter businesses and all you can take your investment and just do so much more for it. So I call it on a small business budget but have a big business impact. <laughs> well, it's uh we're coming up on seven forty five. Uh let's not close out without talking about our, our first major event, uh, the other side of hip hop that's uh coming up in uh, uh May. Yes, on Tuesday, May thirteenth. Um, beginning at 3 p.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time, and we will go through May 14th, 9 a.m. Tokyo Time. <laughs> We're having a global discussion um, about, it's called The Other Side of Hip Hop, and it's a global discussion on the beginnings, the um, cornerstones, of hip hop and we're gonna be talking about women in hip hop and conscious hip hop. Um if we want to use this global conversation to connect generations. You know, hip hop has is a cultural um phenomenon that has impacted the entire world. But at the same time it has also become a division a divider amongst um, generations, and then there are certain forms of hip-hop, you know, where hip-hop has gotten so far away from its beginning and its beginning purposes. It gotten so far away that there are people, like, starting to hate hip-hop and associate hip-hop with being, um, you know, crime and, and negativity and, and murder and 
um, just, you know, all these ills. But that is not how, why hip-hop was formed. It was actually formed as an alternative to gangbanging. They were saying, hey, instead of us, you know, battling one another, we shouldn't do that. Uh, when African Bombada came into it, he had just watched this, um, was the Discovery Channel about the Zulu Nation. And he just got, oh, all like the Zulu people, and he came out and told all his friends about the Zulu. We, we shouldn't be behaving like this. We should do this. We need to be brothers. We need to be Zulus. We need to be warriors and all. And they all came together under this concept. And today you got Zulu nations all throughout the world, Zulu nation Japan, Zulu nation South, Zulu nation. It's, it's just so many different Zulu nations. And again, they were talking about hip hop. Instead of fighting one another, we we know we can battle over the arts. And that's where you had your DJing, your MCing, your um, visual art, your graffiti art, your yeah, your break dancing. And then you know, out of it came automatically was the entrepreneurism and fashion. So well, it, it's really a cultural thing. People think of it as a music genre. Hip hop is not rap, believe it or not. Rap existed before hip hop, but we really um, want to focus on the cornerstones of hip hop. It was actually a way of peace. It was about you know the various different art forms and a way to have positive fun. At that time, because it was so much gang war, and it was a way for them to have fun but be positive. You know, we could battle and all of these kind of things without, you know, degrading one another. It's, you know, conscious hip-hop is what we call it now, but conscious hip-hop that we speak about now, that was just regular hip-hop when hip-hop began. Because it was all about uplifting, it was about love, it's about just the total opposite of what it has perceived to be. So, And it was bore out of our community, bore out of the urban community and the urban experience. So we want to we take back and reclaim what was ours. And just, you know, it's just a platform of discussion. So, um, and there are people in various different, different generations don't, don't realize this. So when we get this new understanding about hip-hop, why it was forming its purpose, and it's actually our cultural phenomenon that we created and we reclaim it, we have different conversations. And, um, and then not to allow hip-hop to be a barrier and to actually use it as, as a tool to unite. And what's so great, again, about technology, we get to have this global conversation without having all come together and meet. We can speak with people in Germany and Japan and L.A. and Las Vegas and New York, and we can just speak with everyone all together. So this is what's great about this event. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, I'm really excited about some of the guests that you've uh, that you've arranged to uh, to speak on the topic, and I know that uh, you were saying during the conference call, the experience itself has been so enlightening to you personally. Uh, just seeing how the youngsters and the teenagers all are, are moving back towards that genre. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they've always been in the hip hop, but they're getting back to the beginning. And, you know, I think maybe part of it is because this is the 40th anniversary of hip-hop, and so there's been a lot of resurgence, and, you know, and a lot of old-schoolers coming back. Um, De La Soul put out some new music, um, and a lot of them have been touring and all, and um, they're actually in the age group, um, you know, right after the baby, they right before the baby boomers. So, you know, that is a very active um, buying group. You know, they have expendable income and all. So there is a lot of marketing and different things targeted toward them. But I'm just surprised that the 16, like the 12 to 16-year-olds all across the world, I mean, because, you know, I've seen them just doing a little research. They're just coming up. And I'm like, wow. So they're all going back to the beginning, which means as we always want to speak negative about our young people, this is proof in the pudding. They want peace. 
for them to want to go back to how hip hop started, they want to go back to peace. They want to go back to love. They want to, they want unity in their community. They want the best for their community. And when you have 16-year-olds who are pro- prolific MCs and spoken word artists who can articulate our needs, you know, that's something special. And when you see this as being done across the globe, it's not just a United States thing. It's showing, you know, our young people are speaking to us. So that's another thing that we just really hope to do in this global conversation is to begin to listen to one another. You know, you know, like a lot of times young people think, you know, old people don't know anything. And a lot of times we think our young people don't really have anything real to say. But they do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to stop and listen to them. And then um, they have special gifts and talents that we would never have. Being born into technology, they just view it and interact with it and all in such a different way. In a whole uh, different manner. way from, uh, from our perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, we've got to be able to reach out to them and and guide them because I think someone was saying today that, you know, technology is a two-edged sword. So we've got to be able to influence them and and guide them in a direction that is uh, uh, empowering not only for themselves financially but for the community as a whole, those things that would uh, benefit others. And also listen to them because they can guide us because, because they experience technology on a different level. You know, they just see producing, the way they see producing is just totally different. And I've seen it happen in the, from the theater industry to movie making and music industry. The way young people see producing, they see producing in a way that we just don't. Because, you know, I just kind of think they're like almost automatic producers. That's great. We just want to need to make sure they understand the uh, the fundamentals. That's what STEM is all about. Yeah, that they yeah we want to take them from what they may take for granted is just social and conversation, and show them how they can leverage it, and show them the basis, as well as you know help helping instill values, and we get to learn from one another. We get to show them; they get to show us. And if we can keep that open mind that, you know, we're all here for a purpose and we're, you know, we're all connected, so we all have value that we provide one another. And, um, Very true. Very just, true. Know, yeah, let's just stop talking about our young people. And sometimes that's a lot of reason they shut down because of the way we talk about them. They're bad. They're, you know, you said these things, blanket, blanket statements, and it's just not true. And we can't just go by what's on TV and what you see in the written news. That media is not, you know, intended for us. It is definitely a slanted media. So for right, every so-called right. bad, you know, person, you I can show you some phenomenal young people doing phenomenal things. So, um, you know, we just have to... Um, Work together, and that's, and that's kind of what the uh, uh, another aspect of the urban tech fair is when we talk about taking yeah. back our media, is is highlighting those you know those people that are doing phenomenal things in our community with little or no resources and no support, but just because of a love for community, you're out there every day volunteering and, and, and going in and working with uh, our youth and seniors and, and, and business leaders trying to get them aware and, and, and get them on point uh, with the way technology is changing and, and the, the, the nuances of how to use technology to benefit themselves directly, uh, opening up uh, uh, new markets, are uh, uh, developing new services and, uh, and new goods. So, yes, uh, that's what the Urban Tech Fair is about, showcasing all those resources and support systems and people that you have in your neighborhood to help you, whether you're a a small clothing store on uh, Main Street or whether you're a a bunch of college geeks working on the next big thing in the college dorm. You can't do it alone. Yeah, just making us aware of... Yeah, just making us aware of ourselves, really. (laughs) You know, they say, you know, a lot of times we get so focused, you know, these are not, you know... 
20, 30 years ago, you knew your neighbors. A lot of times people don't know their neighbors anymore. And it was, you know, like really crazy. You know, at one time this might have sounded outrageous, but it's the truth. There may be a rocket scientist living around the corner a couple of doors from you. <laughs> that is like and, so and, feasible. And, and not only that, but, you know, with gentrification and everything that's coming into play in the urban communities, as I, I say so often, you know, we must begin to base our relationships on our geographical uh, 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 points instead of our cultural points. Uh, we can all agree on, on certain basics. You know, we all want safe streets. We all want good schools. We all want jobs in our community. And regardless of the cultural differences or religious differences, we can come together and work towards work towards them goals as a community and be able to achieve those goals for the benefit of of all of us instead of having to, you know, fall into our own cliques and saying we're not going to talk with them or those people are falling into those stereotypes. We've got to reach out and explore our neighborhoods and, and, and discover all the good things that are going on in our community and the good people, white, black, green, and yellow, that live in our community. Yeah. Well, the one thing definitely, um, this is, I think, the mantra we're going to just develop I know we're going to do it for Philadelphia, but probably develop it for the national is the Urban Tech Fair. It's a family affair. Well, the whole thing, it's really about the family. And with the focus on the family, you know, so it doesn't matter when you focus on the family. Somebody in your community is part of some kind of family. That's true. So whether it's the business owner, it doesn't matter what, you know, you are part of a family. And if we're talking about things that impact the family and we're talking about family, and as a nation we're extremely impacted by the breakdown of the family. So it doesn't matter you know, what your color, what your culture is. We are all impacted and affected by the breakdown of the family. So we want to focus on the family because it's just, you know, it's just important. We can't just be the young people or just the older people or just the techie people or just the business people. It's the family has to come together. And in that family you could have your techie, your business person, there's young people, old people, there are different people in that family. But when the family be able is able to function, well, as a unit, and the family understands technology and how it impacts, the family is better able to support. And technology doesn't, you know, have the tendency to fall on deaf ears with so many missed opportunities. Well, well I we think have on one that minute note, left. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to see if you want to close out because we got one minute left. Uh, I, I'm still uh, enjoying your thoughts on the family and how it uh, <laughs> resonates within uh, every aspect of what we're trying to do with the uh, with the urban tech fair for you know uh, 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 all generations, you know, not just uh, young folks or, or millennials or our seniors, but for everyone, uh, as you say, is mm-hmm. a member of somebody's. Family. These are all our, our 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 cousins, our nephews, our friends that are out mm-hmm. here in in and around amongst us. Yeah. It's a benefit to all of us that we work together, collaborate together, focus together, in order that we may be able to lift up the whole community with our singular efforts. Yeah, that is definitely uh, just the best way to go. And then we're still going to give our brother Markeith a shout-out. Um, one of his websites is urbanimages.net. So you can check him out at www.urbanimages.net. Again, we need you to join the Urban Tech Fair. Join us at www.urbantechfair.org. Click on Join, sign up, so that we can keep you in the loop. And we're looking for everybody to get involved. So if you're on Facebook, just check out the Urban Tech Fair. Of course, like our 
our page, but we also have a group. So like the fan page and then roll into the group, and that's a great place to network. So much great information, so many great people to meet. You just see them posting, like, oh, my gosh, if I could just talk to that person. <laughs> and it's just really great people. And, and then we're always networking. Again, Jim, you just today connected with Dina Perot and... And Oscar with uh, Urban TXT here in L.A. Yeah, yeah, she, you know, so that's just what happens. We happen to get information and like, oh, speak to so-and-so, speak to so-and-so. So there's some great real networking going on. So, again, this is the Digital Drummer, Jim Newsom, with Urban Tech Talk on the radio, the official broadcast of the Urban Tech Fair. Anything else, Jim? That's it. Good night, everyone. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.